It's only vaguely referenced in today's first reading. Uh, it is one of those stories that I find myself contemplating at times uh, because so often I know myself, it's so hard to hear the voice of God, and I hear that on uh, so many people's uh, hearts and minds as they share about their spiritual journey, how hard it is to hear the voice of God, and even though we just sang that psalm response, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. It is because of what happens right before today's, well, in, in context, and not necessarily in, in the book of Deuteronomy, but in Exodus, uh, right before Moses begins to tell what God is going to do. Moses told the people to prepare because God was going to speak to them directly. God was going to make himself known to them. And so they fasted and humbled themselves and prayed and prepared. And as God began, there was thunder and lightning, and it was loud, it was scary. And the people begged Moses, tell God to stop. We can't stand hearing his voice. They were fearful for their lives. And so God did stop. And he said, I will send a prophet, because he still desired to talk to the people. He still desires to tell us and help us to know what he wants us and desires us to do. So he still communicates with us, but not in the same way, not in audible sounds, but rather through prophets. The modern-day equivalent of prophet would be a spokesperson. So the president's spokeswoman. That would be the modern-day equivalent Somebody who speaks on behalf of. So often we, we reduce prophets to somebody who just tells the future. Well, that's psychic or something else. But sometimes God tells the prophets to share what's going to happen in order to help us understand. But sometimes, most of the time, it's just what God wants us to know, not necessarily in the future. And so Moses tells the people, God is going to send a prophet like me who will lead you who will speak to you, who will help you to understand God's will. And while there were many prophets in the Old Testament that we hear about, and even John the Baptist is a prophet, uh, there was not one with the spirit and power of Moses, ultimately. Elijah was close, but still not fully. And today, when we turn to this gospel, we see who that prophet is. It is Jesus. That prophet is Jesus because not only is Jesus a spokesperson for God the Father, but he is God made flesh. And he speaks. And he's able to do things. Yesterday, the morning mass, we had uh, Jesus asleep in the boat. Maybe you know the story. The storm comes up. They're in danger of being swamped. And they wake Jesus, and don't you care about us? We're perishing. And Jesus just wakes up and says, quiet, be still. And the waves and the wind stopped. Why could Jesus do that? Because of who he was. Because he was the Son of God. Why could Jesus walk on water? Because he was the Son of God. He was above even the elements. And today in this gospel passage, why can Jesus just simply say, a few simple words, quiet, come out of him, and the demons obey. Why? Because of who he is. 
the Son of God. In fact, there's a word here, it's used twice in this gospel passage, that explains why Jesus was able to do what he did, because he had authority. So often in this modern world, we have the sense of authority as somebody who's simply studied something, an expert. So we have all sorts of authorities on the news today and these days, right? Whether it's uh, uh, doctors with the coronavirus or experts with the vaccines or, or this or that, or we have uh, political authorities who, who think they, they know what's going on and try to tell us what's going on. Authority, authority, authority. That isn't the type of authority that Jesus or the gospel writers are talking about that Jesus had. That's being an expert. Jesus is more than an expert. The Greek word for authority is one that means literally from one's being. From one's being. From who he is, from his very existence, his very essence. He's able to do what he does because he lives in his existence. He has power because of who he is. And so, as Jesus proclaims proclaims the good news, they're astonished because he teaches with authority, not as the scribes, not as the Pharisees. And so often we we might hear, rather shallow, while so often the the scribes and the the Pharisees would teach by uh, referring to someone, something. Well, the book of Exodus says, or a rabbi so-and-so said, or this person said, or that person said. That isn't it at all. But they weren't talking from their very being, like Jesus does or can. That's why Jesus spoke with authority, and they understood there's something different, a new teaching. I don't want to get too headlong into it, but a brief little course on demonology might help that the demons ultimately, as odd as it sounds, are legalistic. They don't listen to somebody who doesn't have authority. That's why it's dangerous for me as a priest to think I have the right to do an exorcism. I don't. The priest, even the priest of our diocese who does, cannot do so without the bishop's expressed permission each time for the same individual even. He has to have that authority given to him by somebody in proper authority. The demons know this. So that's why it's amazing that Jesus is simply able to say, quiet. But the beautiful thing about Jesus and his his authority is he extends that authority to the apostles. Who has authority to forgive sin? Well, we hear the scribes and the Pharisees asking this, who is this? Only God can forgive sins. When Jesus says, well, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, rise, pick up your mat, and go home. And in the end of the gospel, he breathes on them, in John's gospel especially. He says, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, whose sins you retain are retained. He extends that authority to the apostles, therefore to the church, that we have forgiveness of sins because Jesus gives that authority that he has as the Son of God to others. And it becomes part of their being, too. But then not only that, back to the demons perhaps, 
Do you know, especially husbands and fathers, that you have the authority to tell the demons to get out of your house, to leave your family alone? You, you as individuals have the authority within you because of Jesus Christ, because of your baptism, to tell the demons, you have no sway here. You do not, you cannot sway me. You have that authority. You have the authority to speak on behalf of the church, not your own will, but what the church teaches. In fact, at the end of the gospel, especially Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells, it's not just the disciples, not, or not just the apostles, I should, should back up. It is all the disciples, everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Go forth, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You have that authority. St. Gregory, I believe it is, tells us, Christian, remember your dignity. Today, I might challenge you, remember your authority. That Jesus, just as Jesus spoke with authority out of his own being, because of who he has recreated us to be in our baptism, he has given us authority too. Certainly not to do the same things. We don't have the authority to walk on water. Well, maybe this time of year here in Minnesota we do. But, jokes beside, we don't have the authority, we don't have the ability to tell the wind and the waves to be still, and they are. We might have the authority, though, to tell our hearts, be still, be still. We might have the authority to tell ourselves, if today we hear God's voice, don't let my heart be hardened. God doesn't speak to us the same way he did to the people of Mount Sinai, but he still speaks to us. And when he speaks to us, he changes us. That voice changes who we are. It makes us something different. It makes us children of God. And by changing who we are, by changing our very essence, he gives us authority. This day, let us call upon our authority. And this is, of course, is Catholic Schools Week. And the more I reflect, the more I realize that really, ultimately, our Catholic schools exist exactly for this purpose, to help our children understand their authority, who they are, who they are in Christ, who they are in the church, and who they're to be in the world. It always gives me a sense of delight, especially uh, because I know so many in, in my hometown, uh, to see the Catholic school students doing so well. They, they are succeeding in life. I, I hate saying it, but I could, I could tell the difference between a Catholic school student and a public school student. And uh, there were a few simple tests. Our Catholic school students understand who they are, who they're created to be, and have a sense of understanding, courage, strength, inner fortitude. That's authority personified. Our teachers, our staff exist to help you as parents to form your children. Yes, we, we say in, in the baptism rites that you parents are the first teachers of your children in, in the ways of faith. It's actually part of the blessing of the, of the Father. 
But the schools, or Catholic schools, exist to help you as parents. You don't do it alone. Well, you have the authority to do it alone, perhaps, but you don't have to do it alone to have others help you. Sometimes our teachers are prophets. Actually, most of the time. They speak for God. They help our students understand. I counted up this morning, and in my 48 years of life, I've been associated with a Catholic school for 30 of them. How wonderful that is. Six years as a Catholic school student, elementary, three years in St. Thomas, four years at St. Paul Seminary, Catholic education, of course. If, it's, if seminary is not Catholic education, I don't know what is. And then as an associate and pastor in a number of schools. Each school has its own flavor, its own uh, uniqueness, its own beauty. Each school, as we celebrate Catholic schools, we cel- celebrates it in sometimes the same way and sometimes very different ways. But all of our schools exist to help our students know their authority, help you as parents take that authority, help us all to live out that great commission, to go forth, to proclaim the gospel to all peoples, to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to help us understand what it means when Christ has changed us in baptism, has claimed us as children of God, and has given us authority.